0: It's the Stinking Truth Podcast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast, Mark Schlereth. Alongside Mike Evans, like to thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Bet Rivers. Uh, they know betting; we know football. That's at least how it's supposed to work, theoretically. Check them out at betrivers.com. Download the app today. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm fired up about this weekend. Uh, I I can't wait for the Brady-Belichick Bowl. Oh, my gosh, right? So who needs this more? And I'm not talking about Brady's Bucks or Belichick's Patriots. I'm talking about who needs this more, Brady or Belichick. Well, there's a difference between who needs it more and who wants it more, right? Uh, No, I think they both want it. But the reason I, okay, yeah, here's, and maybe I'm accused of leading the witness here. So I would say Belichick needs it more because Belichick without Brady has a losing record as a coach. Belichick moved on without Brady. Brady did just fine, went to a new place, put up huge numbers, won a Super Bowl. Belichick finished below 500. Belichick is one and two, staring at one and three. So when you start talking about who needs it more, I think it's Belichick. Yeah, well, I I would agree with you. I think the other thing that no matter what you do, um, you're a world championship coach. You won championships as a coordinator with the Giants. Then obviously you've won what six Super Bowls. In New England, with one named Tom Brady, and the two are you know, intertwined. they're like a basket, Brady Belichick, Brady Belichick, right? That's all we ever heard. And the separation of those two when you if you if you take the basket and unweave it, right? it's no longer a basket, it's just a bunch of reeds. And the bottom line is one guy went on to win a world championship with another team. And the other guy is struggling to find a win, and I, I don't think there's any question. I, yeah, and I don't think it's so much Brady or Belichick, or that you'll ever question the genius or the or the ability to coach of Belichick. But there will always be that yeah, but caveat at the end of that sentence, where Belichick won all these Super Bowls and he was the greatest coach in the NFL of the history, but he couldn't win without his quarterback. He couldn't win without Brady. And, you know, ultimately, Mike, we talk about it all the time. It's a lot more about the what the Jimmy and Joes than it is the X's and O's. And if you don't got yourself a dude, if you don't have yourself that guy and, you know, and, and a guy on, on top of not only being a great player, but a guy that allowed you to coach everybody else hard because he accepted the coaching. Like, one thing about Brady, he wants to be coached hard. I think it wore on his nerves a little bit not to be, not that he wanted you not to coach him hard, but he just wanted some respect, I think, to a degree, right? He just wanted to, to maybe feel a little bit of the love. And it was it didn't mean if you kind of praised him or, or singled him out, and pra- it didn't mean you couldn't coach him hard anymore. I I promise you, Bruce Arians coaches the crap out of Tom Brady. He doesn't mind ripping his butt, but he also treats him like a man, not like a 22-year-old, right? But don't you think over the years that Brady, at some point, got to a point where he's like, all right, I know what Bill's doing, I'm not going to take it seriously, I know he's using me for the... Greater good of the team, right? I know he okay. likes me. Right. I know he respects me. Want Why my, am I going to okay. get all pouty about it? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. He knew that, but at the same time, like, would it would it break your back to throw him a compliment every now and again? Like, would it not? Would, like, I I think there comes a time where you're like, I understand what you're doing, and I've I've given you permission to do it. So that we can make sure that everybody accepts the kind of coaching, but every now and again, can't you just say, "Hey, man, game ball for Tom Brady! What an unbelievable job!" As opposed to, "I can get a I could get a quarterback from Foxborough High to do what you just did there," and that's and I I mean, I've talked to the guys that play. You know, I talked to Teddy Bruschi a bunch about it. He's that's how Bill Belichick always coached, and I think it was I think it was more pronounced on Brady than it was anybody else. Like he he threw more of the like the barbs at Brady than he did anybody else and you didn't You didn't need to but aren't you going to have to have that kind of relationship with your best player in order for it to not only work but work for a long time like Greg right. Popovich had that with the Spurs and Tim Duncan he he knew other Spurs players would say man if Tim Duncan is there taking it well Damn well, yeah, I'm gonna I, take and, and, it, and they did it for they did it for twenty years, and it was a great run and all that stuff. I agree, hundred percent, agree with you, Mike. I, I believe in that. Um, I also think at some point there's got to be a little bit of give and take too, and you could still coach everybody hard. I, I just listen. To, I, I'm thankful that the I'm thankful that the marriage dissolved because we get to see Tom Brady in a, in a light we've never seen him. I like, like he has become. He went from this complete and total villain that everybody hated, that everybody couldn't rate, wait to write his obituary to, man, this guy is real. He's a real person. Like, I love Tom. I love this version of Tom Brady, joking around with Gronk and, you know, doing social media stuff. And I, I don't know if you heard the, the, uh, the, prepared statement he made about his father it's funny like it's great. I I reserve the right to put my dad in a home before he's ready you know if he keeps talking this way <laughs> right. like it was awesome yeah where was, was that Tom for the last 20 years it was it was suppressed and I think part of it is you just get to the point where you're like dude I just want to have I want I'm. I'm gonna still work I'm still gonna like he, there's nobody that's gonna outwork Tom Brady from a practice and a preparation and everything standpoint but at the same time I want to be human mm-hmm and and one thing I've noticed about my dealings with Tom, and really, I never it wasn't until last year that I really dealt with him on a personal level. I did when he was a rookie. I talked to him and, and did a, a a show on NFL Live with him, and then basically no contact until last year, you know, 20, 20 years later. And here was my assessment of Tom Brady. Tom Brady is so famous that he basically has got to be isolated. And Tom Brady just wants to be one of the guys. And he's not because he's Tom Brady, but that's what he wants. And so when he gets in an environment where he can just cut loose and be one of the dudes, he loves it. He loves that. And he's good at it, right? He's good at just being a guy. And, and football, football gives him a sense of normalcy. It lets him be one of the dudes. It lets him play cards with the guys after a Friday practice. It lets him cut up with the guys. It lets him bust balls. It, and he couldn't express any of that in New England. And I think this has just been freeing for him. I think it, it, all of a sudden it's you know a lot of us that leave teams and get a new, light, uh, new lease on life at other teams. I think that's one of the things that has happened to Tom Brady. And I think it's one of the things that will keep him playing This year, maybe next year, you know, who knows? Maybe until he's 60. Well, Belichick himself came out this week and said it wouldn't surprise him if Brady played till he's 50. So if if Belichick's willing to acknowledge his longevity and being able to play at a high level, why did he basically force Brady out by not willing to, by not be willing to to make the the kind of two year commitment that that Tampa was all too willing to give him, that Belichick wanted to go on a year to year yeah type that, situation right. with Brady. Why why couldn't he recognize? You know what? The real issue isn't Brady's skills; it's the fact that I, as the general manager of this football team, have done a lousy job of putting pieces around him. He couldn't admit that, could yeah, he? I I. Yes, and and I think— Pride goes before the fall? Right. And I think the other thing that you see is you've had so much success over the years getting rid of guys. Seymour, see ya. Go somewhere else and finish your career. Chandler Jones, see ya. Go somewhere else and be incredibly productive. Uh, Lawyer Malloy, see ya. Finish your career in Buffalo. Like, there's Ty Law. Hey, man, thanks for being such a champion. See you around sometime. Vince Wilfork. hey, you're still a good player. Hope it works out for you. You know, I mean, this has been the history, yep. and it's worked for him. But you know where it doesn't work? At the quarterback position. Yeah, with that guy. Right, because if you don't got one, you don't got one. Yeah. I mean, that's that. – and I think Mac Jones has the potential of being a very good Really, because I know you did their game last week yeah. against the Saints, and it was a struggle for him. And it, the Patriots' offense, it it was Mike. It, it was it. You know, I think oftentimes we see a a you know a line, a, a game line, like a a a, bo, a stats you know, a stats line, and we put no context to it. So you see three picks, and you're like, "Oh, he had a bad game." Well, one of those picks, he got a mouthful of Rydell, and the ball fluttered on him, right? I mean, he got hit because of, of incessant pressure by New Orleans. The other one hit the tight end, Janu Smith, right in the hands, and he, he essentially played volleyball. He was like a setter in a volleyball nat- match, right? Set! And that gets picked and takes it for pick six. The third one is you're at the end of the game. You got no chance, and you're drive I mean, they are playing, I think it was a third and long situation, and they are literally have their heels on the goal line and you're running some type of dagger concept and, and the receiver is not at fifteen or at eighteen, but he's at about a twenty four yard depth, and it's just an it's just one Aaron throw and that one gets picked. So it, it like the guy has the guy is smart, the guy is good with the football. The guy can get you out of problems on the line of scrimmage. He's got the tool set, the requisite tool set to be a really good player. Um they just got overmatched, and and New Orleans just said, "We are gonna bring, we're gonna bring the heat, and we don't think you can lock it up. You, we don't think you can block it." And and New Orleans was right. All right, so let's put a bow on this game. Who do you like? Um, I like Tampa. I think they're a better football yeah. team. Um, Tom Brady going back there, gonna break the all-time passing record of over eighty thousand yards. I mean, it's uh. It's going to be incredible. I think. Uh, I think that that Tampa wins that game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, some other great storylines. How about well, the game you're working, San Francisco and Seattle, part of the NFC West showdown Sunday. Mm-hmm. All four teams are playing each other. You get the Rams and Arizona. Yeah, I mean, first off, the Rams and Arizona, two undefeated teams, right? Three and O versus three and O. We all happen to think the Rams might be the best team in the league. They're the one team you probably don't have a lot of question marks on. Arizona, surprising. When you watch their film, I've just been surprised at at how efficient or how good they are. First off, defensively, they've got a lot of young players um, and a a, a great mixture of older veterans who are still playing at a really high level and young players. And aggressive, downhill defense. Um at you know with with JJ Watt making plays on the inside with Chandler Jones doing his thing, Buddha Baker, uh Isaiah Simmons has become a force to, at the linebacker position. They're a very talented football team, really talented football team. Offensively, one of the things I've been really impressed with and I'm I'm like I don't really I look at that offense and kind of the spread nature, the collegiate nature of it and I'm like, "Oh gosh, here we go." You all right? And it's going to come back to bite them at some point because at some point you've got to be able to dictate in the running game when you have to dictate in the running game, and I don't believe they can do that. But Kyler Murray, with his ability to be a part of that running game and his ability to create mismatches in the running game and then what he's doing in the passing game, like he knows that offense inside and out, so his transition wasn't like a lot of rookie quarterbacks. They brought a coach in specific to his skill set and to run an offense that he ran. And I watch him go through progressions. I watch him how quickly, Mike, and this is fun, how quickly he gets off of number one to get to number two. So, you know, we always talk about spacing and execution of routes. If you are not on time in your route running in that offense, you're not getting the ball. You're, he's off you because he'll just go. He'll go boom, 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 right through it. And it's impressive. Like, it's for a young quarterback to be that quick in his reads, it's impressive. And he knows, like, he so he's, knows. He's going through quickly, but still seeing. I mean, you yeah. can go boom, 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 and not, not really see what you're. Yeah, no, seeing, he knows. But. He knows, bam, I'm off that based on the coverage, based on my receiver. You know, like, if my receiver gets hung up and he's on a, like, Let's call it a short stick route or or a, an a, a inside like slant route, and he gets jammed line of scrimmage, and he's a half tick late, getting to where he's supposed to be on the third step. He's off it, gone. I'm not waiting around. Huge compliment, for it. then huge compliment. Huge. Yeah. Okay. I'm not waiting around for it. I'll get. I'll get to the backside, and you know, and it's front side to backside, and he just goes boop boop, and he's through it. I mean, it's it's impressive, and then his ability once he gets through it, and nothing is to his liking. That's when it gets dangerous with the with the the skill set he has off schedule, and then you think about the receivers he's thrown to. I mean, he's thrown to Hopkins, great. AJ Green, unbelievable. Uh, Kirk is a Christian. Kirk is a a really good player. I mean, Rondell Moore. Uh, Rondell Moore. Yeah. Yep. He's he's is that is that the other kid they picked up? The rookie, right? Yeah. I mean, they got they've got they just have it's a group that is really. Like they're fun to watch. And um and they ain't afraid to sling it. Um they can get that they can get that done, no question about it. So they're in great shape that way. Um and, and I'll tell you what, they just are like I said, they're doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job. How about the game you got? That's a, that's an interesting one. You got two teams that both figure to be serious NFC. I think more, yeah, yeah, no Moore. You're right, you're right. In the three wide sets, so yeah, they've they've had all kinds. Of... Okay, I, I, I'm sorry, that's I just okay. Was... But let's move over to San Francisco and and Seattle. A, a, a fascinating game for me because you had San Francisco. Wow, I mean, they did it. They did everything right, but they left Aaron Rodgers with 37 seconds. Man, that that guy was a. I can't wait to ask. Insane. I can't wait to ask Kyle Shanahan. Hindsight being 2020, do you squib? That kickoff and take five seconds off the clock to make it thirty to make it t- thirty two seconds instead of thirty seven seconds. Ah, there were thirty seven. Se- that's it. Thirty seven seconds. I no timeout. I Ball at your twenty five. It still took a throw to the middle of the field. That that's no, the only quarterback that can make that right. throw, and that nobody that nobody even attempts. Maybe Mahomes. That's it. Yeah, even attempting it. Never mind completing it. Right. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, just an incredible throw by Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I guess at some point you tip your cap and just go, sorry. I mean, like, what are we going to do, right? But amazing because San Francisco's had a bunch of injuries early here that they've had to deal with, and they've been able to deal with them, right? They've been able, especially on the defensive side. um, It'll be interesting to see if this team at some point gets healthy and full strength and what this team can be because I think it has the potential of being a really good I mean really good football team. Then what about Seattle? I mean, they're staring at one and three here. Seattle has to get Seattle, you know, all this, all this, and you and I have talked about this on this podcast, all this let Russ Cook baloney that you hear. I mean, it's just his garbage. You know, Chris Carson and this is the, like to me, part of this is football hubris, or you're trying to appease something you shouldn't be doing. Like, Chris Carson had 10 carries for 70 yards in the first half of the game last week against Minnesota. So, I'm not a mathematician, Mike, but 10 carries for 70 yards, in my mind, equals about seven yards per carry. Winner. Winner, chicken dinner. Look at what we got here. What do you think he finished with? How many carries do you think he finished with? Uh, 10 for 70? I, I, I bet he didn't get more than five the rest of the way. Two carries. Two. Oof. Two carries the rest of the way, and I say this all the time: If you think you're going to run a bunch of double move routes and you're going to score five seventy-yard touchdowns to win games, you're you're as dumb as I am. You like that that philosophical approach is being like valedictorian of summer school, right? You're in summer school because you're stupid. <laughs> I mean, right? Is that like that's the philosophy? And a bit so, harsh maybe your work uh, habits or uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm trying to be a little bit uh, helpful out here people for anybody right, I am even, I am, kids go to right. summer school your kids not stupid right it well just maybe needs hey well I listen man I'm a summer school kid so you you know I'm not that I'm not I know that I'm not that bright <laughs> all right I'm smarter than the rest of the dumb kids in summer school but I know I'm not that bright all right all right so I mean that that to me Like, if that's what you're trying to do, then you need to change your philosophical approach to the game. And I know it's cool to let Russ cook and all this stuff. And the thing about Russ, man, is, Mike, you don't – it's not the first three seconds of the play that are going to get you. It's the last five or six seconds. Explain that. Well, I mean, you know, Russ will get through his progressions. When they hurt you, though, is when they start playing schoolyard. When the first three seconds break down, that's when he gets you with the big play over the top. That's when the receivers change their routes. That's when the short guys go deep. The deep guys come back, and the next thing you know, you've given up a 70-yard explosive. But that's off-schedule stuff. That's stuff you can't, you can't sit there and go, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to hang around until we get five big-time off-schedule plays, right? Like That's a recipe to get beat, and, and that's why they're looking at one and two right now. So my my thought process on Seattle is quit trying to be fancy pants, right? Quit trying to be designer and go get yourself. We're in Seattle. Go get yourself some Kirkland jeans. Yeah? Don't get Jordache buckle back. Well, I will break it out. I'm like going. No, that was, that was, uh, it wasn't Jordache had the buckle back. It was hash. Hash buckle back jeans. Wow. You're going deep. I'm going straight 80s straight on your Straight 80s. I don't have parachute any parachute pants and everything, man. What is in? What's the jeans now that are like? Are they sevens? Is that the the? What are the fancy? What are the bedazzled jeans you wear? You know, you those ass jeans you have, the mom <laughs> jean ass bedazzled jeans that yeah, you wear. Yeah, those I, are sexy I still, on you. Yeah, I still stay loyal to the uh, like the uh, '90s version of the bedazzled jeans. I don't. I haven't. I haven't gone full. Mike, I'm telling you, yeah. I was. Your ass looks great in those pants. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> All right, focus, 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 focus. Let's get back. Sports, 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 sports. Uh, Hey, explain something to me this week. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen a rally around a young quarterback like I've seen with Justin Fields this week. Oh, what God. is going on here that so many people are rushing headlong To defend Justin Fields' performance in his first game to the point where they're basically accusing Matt Nagy of criminal negligence for the game plan that was put together. I even saw, I think it was your buddy Dan Orlovsky at at ESPN, entertaining the idea that at what point will Fields have to force his way out of Chicago if things don't change for the better? Um. It's one start. I've never seen a rookie quarterback have this kind of support-slash-excuse-making done for him. You know, thank you. And, and Matt Nagy, I mean, Matt Nagy jumped on—this uh, one thing I love about Matt Nagy. He jumped on it today and said, it's completely my fault. Which, I mean, seriously— like you, you're you. You have to come out and and I I appreciate that about great. Like I appreciate that about about great people. Great people will take responsibility even when it's not their fault. Okay, like, you're saying it's not his fault because there are plenty of people lined up saying that he put together a terrible game plan. Okay, well, uh, terrible. Let, okay, so let me let me explain. Like one thing about playing quarterback, Mike you got to take 100% of the credit that is given to you when you win and you've got to you've got to um shower it on everybody else. You've got to basically deny yourself and you've got to shower everybody else um when when you when you win. You got to say, "Hey man, I, hey it wasn't me. I had great protection. It wasn't me. The running backs did a great job. It wasn't me. The receivers were wide open." Like, "Man, I, I like I was a very small part of this, right?" That's part of your responsibility as a quarterback. The other part of your responsibility is when you lose, even if it's not your fault, you got to accept 100 percent of the blame. Dude, I got to be better at this. I got to be better at that. Not we. You're not a French waiter. You got you're the quarterback of the football team. And with it comes responsibility. And you've got to accept that responsibility. I have not heard Justin Fields say one thing about the way he played. Now, maybe I've missed it. But there were times when I'm watching that game where he has wide-open guys where he is waiting for them to send him an invitation to throw him the football. Or, like, I'm not going to throw it to you unless I get a, a cordial invitation to throw you the football. I mean, it was awful. Now, here's the other thing. They can't block anybody. I mean, Jason Peters is one of my favorite all-time players. One of my favorite all-time players. And, you know, he's... he's. Fifty-eight years old, playing left tackle. I mean, I I think he's actually thirty-nine, and I think he's had some. He he's had a hip or a groin or something. Dude, he was he was horrible. Um, he was bad in that game. Uh, their right go a right tackle, a Fetty, was a former first rounder for the the Seahawks. They gave up on that guy retired before he even started. Like that dude didn't block that that guy. It's in his embarrassment, and so they couldn't block Cleveland. Um, and I will tell you this, their tight ends and receivers, not one time did anybody beat man-to-man coverage, hardly at all. And, you know, when they did, or when they found a hole in the zone, Justin Fields couldn't throw it to the guy. He, he, he was waiting for the invitation. Is that Matt Nagy's fault? Now, a lot of people have talked about, well, you threw it 20 times and, and 13 times out of the 20 times you were in. Kind of a spread, no back, or, or you, you know you had a 50 protection, meaning your five offensive linemen had their five guys, okay? And I've gotten to a point where I hear a lot of people saying, that's negligence, right? Yeah. but here's the, here's the point. If your quarterback doesn't understand he doesn't understand defensive fronts and the potential of blitz and who's coming and who's not coming, do you know how much easier it is to identify people when you get spread? So we spread everybody out, right, and now all of a sudden it becomes very easy potentially to see who's coming and who's not coming and to essentially say, hey, man, if we're just pointing out protection, so we've got the four downs and the Mike Backer. There's nothing simpler in the world, right, for my quarterback, and to say, hey, if you see this in spread, you see something that uh, that looks bad, you can change the protection to protect yourself over there, Right it becomes one of those things that to me is a simplification for a guy that doesn't know what he's looking at i mean he, like, it, so rather listen, than it being negligence this is a, a coach who is trying his I best put him in to give him a chance to succeed i put him in shotgun we're we're running some rpos that we're doing what he was comfortable doing and i'm trying to give him the best opportunity yeah. to hey the other thing about spread when you're in a spread situation like that mike Guess what? If everybody's outside, if everybody's outside the tackle box, we spread everybody out. So we're in, let's say we're in doubles, right? So we've got, we've got three wide receivers set, and we go doubles open, okay? So doubles right open. So the tight end is in the slot. The Z receiver on that side is wide outside the numbers. Then the F receiver on the other side is in the slot, and the X receiver is outside the numbers. So we've spread everybody out. Now we have a single back in the backfield, right? So you got a middle linebacker and you got four defensive linemen. Now, if the guys aren't open, guess what? Theoretically, after I do the run fake, right, what should I have? Some wide open spaces. If my first guy can't beat man-to-man coverage, take off. Go make something happen in that space. So, again, it's philosophy. I understand condensing formations and having seven-man protections. Nobody understands that better than I do. I mean, sh- we had a living in that in, in Washington. In 1991, we were in seven-man probably more than anybody in the league, maybe anybody in, in league history. I mean, that's what we ran. We ran single back, you know, either six- or seven-man protections, right? And we had the three wide receivers. We had Art Monk we had Ricky Sanders, and we had Gary Clark, and we ate people for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And in 19 games on our way to a world championship, we gave up nine total sacks. We're damn good. One of the best offensive lines, one of the best offenses in history. Right? We knew what we were doing. but if That's what we did. That was what our style was. And so, for me, you know, to spread people out, I think I think there's... You just have to understand how football works. There's... there's there's a reason you do it. Now, did it work out? No. Was it negligent? No, it wasn't negligent. I think, like, again, you have to talk to coaches. You have to talk to players and understand what the value is. Maybe should you have mixed that up, maybe a little bit more. Maybe, yeah, maybe. But I don't know what I don't know what Justin Fields can handle. And based on based on what we saw in the preseason when he got decapitated by Buffalo. Would, would, that be, would that make you feel better if you got in a, a bunch of seven-man protections and he doesn't know who's coming or condensed formations and everybody's within, you know, you've got nine guys in the tackle box and you don't know who the hell's coming? W- would it make you feel better if you got that for that quarterback and, and, you know, you decapitated him and he was out for a month with a concussion? Would that make you feel better? Would, would Matt Nagy have done his job then? I just I just find that I just find that egregious and I you know and and to, and to claim negligence or to claim that he's trying to prove a point and he doesn't want the kid to play well I think is I I I've, I just find that disingenuous and it truly just it bothers me. That's all. All right, good stuff. We'll see what happens this week. See if you believe in Chicago. Let's get to our picks. As through week three, it's it's a nail-biter. A nail-biter of mediocrity. As we're both five and four in our picks through three weeks, you get a chance to go first. All right, so I go first. Here we go, Michael, uh, for those at home that are following along. Um, Titans taking on the Jets. Uh, After what I saw with the Jets last (laughs) week, Titans minus seven. I don't know if you're going to stop this run game of the Titans. I like the Titans. I'll give you the seven points. And then... Uh, I'm going to go on um, on the record here. I like uh, the the Saints over the Giants. They're another. I think you can't go wrong picking the Giants against the Giants and the Jets because they're both that bad. Uh, the Giants <laughs> giving up seven and are the Saints giving up seven and a half over the Giants. I'll take the Saints to cover. So the Saints covering seven and a half, and um, and I've got the uh, Titans covering the seven of the Jets. And we might as well make it a trifecta of uh, of giving up points, big points. Uh, Buccaneers head to the Patriots to take on, um, uh, the Patriots and Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick, uh, uh, Patriots, uh, getting six and a half. I'm taking the Buccaneers to cover that as well. I think Tom Brady, um, rubs their noses in it very much like a dog who piddles on the floor. So I am going to go with the uh, Buccaneers on that bad dog, bad dog, right? Bad Belichick. Uh, I'm going to also go with the uh, three favorites as well, which, uh. Probably is not smart for us to take six favorites, but uh, I'm going to take the Chargers on the Monday night game over the Raiders. Uh, I'm not saying the Raiders are living the big lie, but I, I think the, the idea of them going 4-0, and I just have a hard time believing that, plus I like the Chargers. Uh, so I'll take the Chargers minus three. I'm going to take uh, Kansas City in a get-right game. Boy, I watched Philadelphia play last week. That That was rough. That was really rough. They got mm-hmm. some issues there, and so I think Kansas City... Uh, bounces back. I'll take the Chiefs minus the seven on the road. And I'm going to take the Denver Broncos. Um, I like it. The minus one. Uh, basically a pick'em game. I'm going to take the Broncos to prove that their 3-0 and start is not a fluke. And they beat Lamar, Jackson, and the Ravens Sunday at uh, mile high. All right. I love it, Mike. Uh, hey, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, uh, thank you so much for listening. Please share with your friends if you like it. If you don't, just keep your mouth shut. All right? We got a bargain. Hey, want to thank uh, our, our presenting sponsors, the great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet like a man, Bet Rivers. Download the app today, BetRivers.com. dot com. For Mike, I am Mark. We thank you for listening. Be well, and we'll talk to you next week.